This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 16th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin have had their meeting in Helsinki. The post-meeting news conference has been called disastrous, even treasonous. Chris Preble, vice president for defense and foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute, comments. This meeting between uh, Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump, there was a lot that led up to it, uh, in particular, an indictment of several uh, Russian people who were believed to have uh, played a role in uh, attempts to influence the 2016 presidential election, this massive indictment that came out just before uh, this meeting. What should we take away from both the fact that this meeting was conducted in secret and the press conference that many people are just really very much up in arms about with with respect to how little uh, Donald Trump did to sort of back up uh, U.S. intelligence agencies and also in public make uh, statements about Russia's role in uh, trying to influence the election? Well, I think the two things go together, Caleb. I, I think that the fact that we are mostly focused on the credible allegations of Russian interference in the 2016 elections that have, the stories have been around for some time. The indictment handed down on Friday by Robert Mueller is sort of the most uh, thoroughgoing in terms of connecting to the Russian government, not merely Russian individuals, um, and maps out the potential for this linking up to um, uh, people close to the, at least tr close to the Trump campaign. We'll wait to see how that plays out. But precisely because that indictment was handed down, um, we have much more information and and all, uh, not so surprisingly, all of the questions from, uh, nearly all the questions from the uh, U.S. Uh, press at the press conference were relating to that. And so when uh, President Trump uh, repeated what he has um, many times over, uh, sort of casting doubt on the impact of this interference, suggesting that it was there's just not much to it. And, and, and he's been inclined to do that from the very beginning. He does not wish for the appearance of Russian interference in the election to uh, undermine the legitimacy of his presidency, which is how he's interpreted this story from the very beginning. Um, and so I don't think we should be so surprised that that's where the focus has been. The great disappointment on my part is that there is a legitimate, credible case to be made for why the United States and Russia should have better relations than we do right now. There are many areas in which we should be able to cooperate uh, and there are real risks in the relationship remaining on a very poor footing. Uh, but precisely because of the context in which this meeting occurred, we are not talking about those uh, other elements. We're mostly talking about the politics of the Russian meddling. All right. So uh, on these other important issues, uh, is, what's the path forward? Presumably you're talking about Syria and, uh, and other, other related regional issues, but what's the path forward for those things? Well, I think there were some allusions to the fact that senior national security officials in both Russia and the United States will now embark on a series of discussions 
um, on things related to arms control, Syria, um, uh, perhaps uh, Ukraine, uh, a few, and a few other areas, and that that work will be done at the sort of uh, so-called working level, um, not uh, in the glare of cameras and followed by press conferences. And so perhaps that sort of hard work can be done without immediately being thrown into the, the into the lens of partisan politics. Um, but the the fact remains that Donald Trump will be the one who sort of the, the person sort of selling whatever negotiations produce by and what will look at least to some people as a concession perhaps uh, and therefore he's in a weaker position to sell those concessions uh, to the American people and to uh, leaders in Congress who you know if it's a treaty they have to ratify it and and so and their hearings you know those those sorts of things if we think through what might ultimately come out of protracted negotiations with the United States and, and the Russians, um, so long as Donald Trump is the face of those negotiations, uh, it's going to, there's going to be real difficulty. Contrast that meeting with Putin, the one that just occurred with the meeting of NATO leaders uh, last week, uh, and going back even further to the G7 summit. Right. Well, I think that the the juxtaposition between those meetings and the meeting today in Helsinki sort of affirms a suspicion that people have had for some time that President Trump really, really likes interacting with, for lack of a better word, autocrats, those people who are not uh, as beholden to their people as he does dealing with leaders of democracies. Um, we saw elements of that in his meeting with Kim Jong-un. Uh, he has spoken and he spoke again today quite warmly of Xi Jinping and and related. Uh, he interacts with Vladimir Putin, who um, has you know been re-elected numerous times under uh, questionable circumstances in Russia. He appears to be relatively popular, but still um, is uh, is an authoritarian, is a thug, uh, and the president seems quite untroubled about interacting with such people and, and again has sort of praised them from time to time for being strong and for for the way in which the their people uh, support them and and at the same time he was uh, quite critical of European allies in you know sort of in their presence before them sort of calling out Germany for supposedly being uh, in the thrall of Russia because of the uh, the Nord Stream deal the the natural gas deal um, he famously um, uh, the the meeting the G7 meeting in in Quebec ended quite badly and when you compare and contrast these two meetings or the several meetings it, it sort of it sort of speaks to this sense that, that President Trump just has these authoritarian instincts. Now, I use that word quite carefully because it has, uh, it has you know, quite a bit of baggage associated with it. I understand that. Um, but he just doesn't seem to have placed great value on the importance of uh, human liberty and self-governance and self-determination uh, and really sort of favors the strongman, uh, the person who can sort of get things done and disregard or run roughshod over uh, domestic dissent. And I think that really uh, unsettles a lot of people here in the United States and, and our, our allies uh, in Europe 
especially, um, and and this meeting simply fits within that that broader context. And so I think, again, w- for all that all the good that can be said about the importance of of, of re- decent relations between the United States and and Russia, and not ignoring the historical situations where U.S. leaders have interacted with uh, Soviet leaders that were even worse than Vladimir Putin. Let's not forget Joseph Stalin had uh, much blood on his hands. So there are times when you interact with these people, even though you don't uh, like them very much. Uh, it the appearance of President Trump genuinely liking uh, President Putin just really cuts against the the sense that he's doing this uh, out of a sense of well I you know I, I have to do it it's it, and as opposed to a sense that he really wants to do it he'd much rather be and and he, and he alluded to this that that he thought the Helsinki meeting would be easier than the meeting in Brussels and his behavior today uh, suggests a sort of ease of uh, working with Vladimir Putin that he does not uh, put put forward when he's interacting with uh, European leaders, uh, uh, just as we saw last week. Okay. And uh, add to that list uh, Duterte of the Philippines and Erdogan of Turkey. Uh, this is uh, John Brennan. He's the former CIA director of During the Obama years, he says Donald Trump's press conference performance in Helsinki rises to and exceeds the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors. It was nothing short of treasonous. Not only were Trump's comments imbecilic, he is wholly in the pocket of Putin. Republican patriots, where are you? Right. So this is the last. This is the perhaps the biggest problem of all, Caleb, is that the fact that John Brennan says that, but is seen as being an Obama administration official, ignoring the fact that he served both Republican and Democratic presidents over his long career. Uh, the fact that he is seen as an Obama person means that the things that he tweets about, the things that he utters are just are sort of disregarded by the president's core supporters and many Republicans. Uh, we operate in a space where um, uh, truth and fiction is judged by whether you have an R or a D after your name. And so uh, as much as John Brennan might be uh, thoroughly disgusted by President Trump's performance today, uh, frankly, what he says doesn't really matter to the people that President Trump is most interested in, and that is his core supporters who have demonstrated time and time again that they will stay with him no matter what he does and says. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 